Right. Let's start this week with a bit of trash talk as usual. And this week on Trash Talk, Marcy Trent Long speaks with Sam Nunn from Hilti Group about his scheme that leases the use of construction tools and make them more sustainable. Good morning, Trash Talk listeners. Did you know that you can lease construction tools and that they could be taken back for recycling? Here to tell us more about that from his cafe in Hong Kong is Sam Nunn from Hilti, Hilti Tools. Sam, is that what it's called? Uh, we're just Hilti. Hilti just Hilti. Hilti. Yep. That's all you need. Yep. It's a mm-hmm. pretty, pretty famous company from Liechtenstein. And tell us more about this program and why sustainability is important to Hilti. Yeah, sure. So maybe um, I, I can start a little bit with, with who we are as a business. So Hilti are a multinational construction equipment uh, and material supplier based in Liechtenstein, you know, very, very small country in Europe. We're proudly from Liechtenstein though since 1947. Um, Now, our sustainability journey as a company, to be honest, it's always been somewhat within the DNA of the company, but never very structured. So we started in 2020, really, to structure sustainability. We released our first sustainability report. Um, We focused first on the operations of Hilti as a company. Um, And basically, we said we would have three pillars. One was environment, and then people, and then society. And when it comes to the environment side, really, there were two things. The first was on our CO2 footprint, which, of course, every company needs to take care of. We really started on scope one and two. We kept it quite internal, what we were doing within our own business. And we also said we have a fantastic opportunity to promote circularity as well and to become the leader in our industry in circularity. Because actually, our existing business model, which was regarding leasing actually has a lot of potential for circularity. So I think that's the first thing to share is probably we realized that we could promote circularity while leveraging what we already did rather than really starting something new. Um, that's very lucky, actually, by the way. That's really great. It, it was really nice that. Yeah. Yeah. And it was really something that came from something actually that came from doing something that was better for our customers. Um, it was more convenient for them. Uh, it was better from a cash flow point of view, and we realized that it gave us this wonderful potential as well for, for sustainability. Can I can I ask why you started the leasing program? I mean, I guess it's the rental economy, right? So you start with that. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it came uh, probably 20 years ago in, in Switzerland. We had one customer who said, my tool repairs are causing me a real headache. Can Hilti do something to help me on repair? And we said, well, what if you were to pay us up front for all your tools and then what we'll do is we'll work into the price some kind of repair agreement so you can you know do all your repairs for free and this was very popular with this one customer so we said well maybe we expand this and over the years it expanded and expanded within switzerland and then somehow we said well actually this is make up a lot of our business we should we should really <laughs> use this everywhere and so 20 years later, here we are. Fleet is actually our, our primary business model now for tool selling. Um, That's great. Most, most customers around the world now lease their tools. Um, and rather than them paying up front, they also pay on a monthly basis, which means that from a cash flow point of view, it's fantastic for them because they just part with a small amount every month rather than having to invest in all of these tools at the beginning of a project. So yeah. I think that was really it. You know, it was something that was fantastic for, for our customers, first of all, and came from them asking us for this. And then 
actually we've now found that this is something that gives us an enormous power to to promote circularity as well yeah because it's not only circularity for the for the end end of life but it's also right. you've got the repair movement in there right you exactly. don't have someone throwing away a i don't know right. whatever. it's not going to be a hammer Absolutely. obviously you guys are a much higher level than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly and i mean i think this also comes into saying so I'll maybe take you through the, the phases that we have. So the first thing that we do actually for a customer who's moving on to fleet is we actually, first of all, go to their, their construction site or to their warehouse and we do an analysis which says, actually, how many tools have you got that you don't really need? Because we see that a lot of the time they buy backups or you know they, they buy something for one application that they're going to do once a year and then it sits in the warehouse for 360 days out of the year. And so they're over purchasing. So the first right. thing we do is do this analysis and we can actually mean that they just purchase less to start with. So it comes really, first of all, with reducing what they buy. We then try and extend the lifespan by saying, yes, we're going to repair everything for you. A lot of the times repair actually just causes a headache. So people would prefer to just buy something that they can throw away and not think about it. So we say, no, you're not going to need to do that. We guarantee to the customers that we handle their repair in three days as well. So we pick and it up for them. In, in Hong Kong or regionally? I mean, in, in Hong Kong, actually, I mean, with some exceptions, you know, for example, Macau is five days just because we have to ship it over to Hong Kong. Sure. But actually, in most places around the globe, it's a three day repair. Amazing. Um, and basically, that means that the customer has to do nothing. There's no barrier for them to, to repair, is the way we see it. They don't have to send somebody to the repair center. We pick it up for them, they don't pay anything extra. So it tends to extend the lifespan of the tool. Um, and then when it comes back at the end of its life, we collect it from the customer again, free of charge. We, we prefer to collect it, actually. We encourage them to, to let us collect it. I hope so. And then we can reprocess it. And so what we can do then is either we refurbish the tool in its entirety for reuse, um, and we have various ways of reusing them. So we either donate them to charity or actually we also have a very short-term leasing pool. So for example, if a customer just needs something for a week, then we, they can pay on a daily basis and we have a warehouse full of tools for that purpose. And most of those are coming now from refurbished tools. Um, and then if we can't refurbish it, it's in really terrible condition. We also have a program where we extract certain spare parts. Um, and so what we aim to do is, is to extract all of the spare parts that are still working. Again, we refurbish those actually on site in our repair center in Hong Kong. Uh, and then those again will be then reused in the repair process for other tools. So nice. hopefully, things avoid recycling is the idea if we can actually avoid most of the recycling then that's, that's perfect by, by reusing things in-house and was some of this driven on the fact that you are a european country and there are more regulations there for the need to repair and recycling etc or has that helped or or is it, I think is it's it something really, that the global business that's yeah. done it I think the mindset is there more in Europe, potentially. I mean, it's certainly something where I think the discussion around circularity, particularly if we look at our home markets of kind of Germany, Switzerland, Austria, Netherlands, you know, they're some of the most advanced markets in the world when it comes to thinking about the circular economy. So I think that helps. Interestingly, the, the right to repair legislation they're talking about in Europe came in after we were already doing this. So I think, honestly, there's a few reasons, right? It, for us, it makes business sense. Actually, if we can reclaim also a lot of the, 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 the raw materials from our products, you know, there's a huge cost benefit from us, for us as a, as a business. 
Um, as we said, it's good for the customer. Customers start to ask us questions now on on circularity. So it just, to be honest, it's just something that we've seen. It makes sense. There's no real, if, if we already have the business model, and I think that's the biggest transition for a lot of companies to make, um, it's a win-win, really. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Hey, yeah. are you able to um, refurbish and recycle some of the equipment in Hong Kong, or do you have to send it out mostly? Just curious. No, it happens. It happens here. Um, oh, so we great. have a we have a, a dedicated repair center, which is all our own. You know, we, we don't outsource the repairs at all. Um, and now what we have actually, we we actually just this week launched our new repair center. We've just moved and relocated and upgraded in Hong Kong. And uh, actually, there the repair center now has a, a dedicated workshop, which is just for refurbishment. So. They will have a technician who's fully dedicated to taking apart tools, figuring out actually what you can reuse, either the whole tool or then certain parts of the tool, and then refurbishing those back to, to, to full kind of factory conditions. Oh, isn't that fabulous? Can you do me a favor and like open that up to students so that... <laughs> it would be amazing, right? Yeah, we would. I would love to take a group of students there and, and show them. Yeah, sure. We... <laughs> or could we you could open up a repair that. cafe and then we can come? <laughs> yeah, all sorts. Of, I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure we could talk about doing a student visit. Yeah, uh, it's it's. I'm really excited you're actually doing here here in Hong Kong. So, let's take a drill or a, a commonly used construction tool. You can tell I'm not an expert in construction. And maybe you can tell me about the components and how you recycle that if you have to, sure. if you can't reuse it. Yeah. So basically, I mean, so if you look at the average tool, you have maybe, and I, I'm not going to include batteries because batteries are much more complex. They're another thing. And, and you know, there's obviously yeah. a lot of difficulty around recycling batteries in general and yeah. in every market around the world. So the average tool has a plastic housing. It then has a gearbox. It has a motor. Uh, it has some electronics, basically. And then you have the, the bit at the front, the chuck, which holds the, the drill bit. So primarily you've got plastic, steel, and electronics within that. Now, the plastic, um, basically that, to be honest, we struggle to reuse, and that's typically because it's the first part of the tool to just get beaten up, right? So that typically goes to recycling. Um, there it goes to a third-party recycler. We shred it, and then it gets actually reprocessed into, you know, into to plastic pellets. Yeah, exactly. Um, electronics, to be honest, a lot of those we are able to reuse on site. And actually, they're the part that kind of have the least physical damage, which means that they're the easiest to reuse. Hmm. But if we can't reuse them, then again, they go, they get shredded up and they get sent to a, to a specialist electronics recycler. And then we have the steel components. And, and that's very similar. Now, I, I would say, though, to be honest, full disclosure, I think this is a problem that, that we and a lot of other manufacturers have in Hong Kong and, and in Asia in general is once something leaves our, our, our first level recycler, it's still a challenge to actually get the transparency on where that ends up. And I think that's still something that as an industry, we haven't figured out. Um, you know, we, we talk to our recyclers a lot and the, the clarity in, in this region compared to in Europe on actually what's happening at the second or third level recycling is, is still a big challenge. So I think that's something that really as, yeah, as an industry, we need to somehow address. And, you know, I think I've been in a lot of discussions, for example, with the DEC on, you know, putting in multiple stream recycling facilities. And 
I think there's a lot of discussions ongoing about that. So hopefully that's something that, that can improve over the coming years. You know what? I think that's just yep. globally, wherever you are in the world, when you put something in a yep. recycling bin, you figure, you know, there's probably a 10% chance right. this is really being recycled. So um, Yeah, and I, and I think that's generally one. an issue in, in Hong Kong. We don't have it within Hong Kong yet. You know, we don't have these big recycling facilities. So it's something that potentially is is... Well, let's see. It shouldn't. It should let's see. Right? But, yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's a crowded yeah. place, Hong Kong. So you absolutely. You, <laughs> we, yeah, we have exactly, to be realistic. Exactly. So, what do you think absolutely. is the future? So, so we've started with construction tools, right? And and maybe that's all Hilti does. But even expanding beyond Hilti and things, how, how do you see, you know, what you're doing expanding into maybe even other? industries or other lines of business for you guys yeah i mean so so for hilti i mean fleet is the priority right this is the way forward for us now on tools as as a business um as i said it makes sense from our point of view it makes sense from an environmental point of view a customer point of view what i would also say you know we've, we've just set a science-based target for our co2 um and actually that means we have to address our scope 3 co2 in our supply chain which means anything we can do to actually reuse components and mean that we're not you know using fresh materials is is going to help us on that side so this for us is the way forward i think so so on, you've on moved industry, I, i'm going to interrupt but so you've yep. moved reuse up effectively yes yes okay. absolutely that's great to yep. hear it, it's really something that you know it's going to help us hit our co2 goals because we're going to just use less material um for the industry you know i think what is still a big challenge in construction and i think i'm now seeing that that it's changing right is that we as an industry don't have a lot of coordination you know there's multiple subcontractors on every construction site everybody's doing a lot of their own thing and you know what i think is really really encouraging now and is is fantastic is actually to see that you have property owners main contractors who are now really really addressing this topic of of waste um and of of flexibility and reuse within building design so i think you know we've started with tools but now we're having really really encouraging conversations with uh property owners or with uh with, with main contractors where they're actually saying to us look I love the idea that I could, for example, reuse the, the, the okay, I'm going to get a bit nerdy now, but the, uh, Go for it. the system where, you, where you, you, you have a system in every building where you hang your pipes, your, your electrical cables, all of this, right? It makes up a huge amount of the, the steel in the building. Typically, it's all welded in place. And we're having a lot of discussions now with, with, with customers where they're saying, I wish I didn't have to weld this. I'm going to change the layout of my building halfway through its life. I wish I could just remodel this so that I can reuse as many of these components as, wow. I, as I can. And so I think what we're seeing now in the industry is a lot of this kind of top-down view where we've got the people who really are owning the building or, or owning the construction site where they're saying, I need to start to coordinate and I need to start to get all my subcontractors working together and I need to really get much more involved in this process of how we design the building in order to actually promote uh, reuse, reduction of waste. And again, a lot of that comes because they have their own CO2 goals. If they want to reduce their, C their scope through CO2, then actually it makes sense for them to reduce waste. So yeah. I think it's, 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 it's still fairly early in, in, in Hong Kong, but I mean, I started working on sustainability here about two and a half years ago. The difference in the conversations now compared to even two and a half years ago is staggering. So I think the, the movement is coming really, really quickly. Yeah, I completely agree yeah. because I've been doing this show for like 
This is our 200th plus trash talk. And, and really it's only this year that I've been able to talk to construction people about it in this kind of mm -hmm. in-depth way. It's pretty exciting. So. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's, there's real, it feels like there's real momentum now and people are all talking the same language, which is brilliant. It is brilliant. Well, thank you very much for what you do every day, Sam. And thanks for coming on the show. Marcy, thanks so much for having me. This was fantastic.